as we read God's Word together. As we get, we get into this, just really quick, because you can't really see this necessarily in the English, this is what's called an acrostic. So there's several psalms that go through the Hebrew alphabet. Um, and so this is, this is one of those. So every couple of verses, it starts with the first letter of, that, of the alphabet, of that next letter in the alphabet. So it's just, it's a good thing to know because there's so much order and structure that God has put into his word that sometimes we miss that at times. And then also, this is a proverbial psalm. So it's a little bit different from other psalms. It's much more like the Proverbs. And you'll pick up on that as we read these first few verses. But those are good things to know. So here we go. God's word to us from Psalm 37. This is a psalm of David. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. I printed the wrong psalm. Can somebody give me your Bible? Thank you. Hmm. It happens. Yeah, I have Psalm 36 from last week. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Father, as we listen to these words, we need for you to press them into our heart. We ask, Holy Spirit, you are active, you are moving, you are present, and we need for you to soften the heart that can be so hard. We need you to open the mind that can be so closed, and we need for you to transform our life as only your good news can do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So... When we face hardships and uncertainty, how do you walk? This is a rhetorical question. I want us to be thinking about this as we go through this text. How is it that we are to walk? Uncertainty might be where you are right now. Uncertainty may be something you've experienced in the past. Maybe you're not experiencing now. Uncertainty will be something most certainly that you will face in the future. Regardless of where you have been, where you are, uncertainty is a part of life at times. And in a few minutes as we talk about where the, the church is, where you might be in regards to this particular church, we really, really need to hear these words. It's providential that we're reading this because it just happens to be the next psalm, but it is so vitally important, it has been so vitally important for me even this week to ground us and to encourage us, to direct us with this. This is what David says, we can walk with God today. You can walk with God today because he guarantees all will be made right tomorrow. All will be made right in a future day. So we're going to look at these two kind of questions. What does it look like to walk this way? And then how do you do it? 
What does it look like? This is how David unpacks it. He talks about, this is going straight through the text, fret not, trust, delight, commit, be still, refrain. Those are six things that he outlines about what it looks like to walk with the Lord. The phrase he uses three times in this section is fret not, fret not. So um, what does that mean? Well, it carries this meaning of don't, don't burn with anger. It's a little bit, it's heavier than what we usually translate it. It's the same word that's used with Cain and Abel, when Cain and Abel, the, the first sons of Adam and Eve, and Cain decides to kill Abel. It talks about him burning with anger, same word, fret not. And then David elaborates by saying, don't be envious, don't burn with envy because of evildoers. Why would you fret? Why do you, why do you fret? If you fret, why do you ever burn with anger? Even if people don't see it on the outside, why might that ever happen to you on the inside towards people who have done wrong? Why might that be the case? Well, because maybe they get ahead, maybe they succeed, and you don't. Maybe their church explodes and is successful, and maybe yours doesn't. That's just for my application there. Maybe this is what happens when we look around and you see people living for self or maybe they're bringing harm to others, maybe they're taking shortcuts, and yet they succeed, it can do stuff to you, right? Can't it, can't it stroke a fire of anger and jealousy? Have you ever experienced that? Or call us to question, well, maybe they got it right, <laughs> Maybe the, maybe the ones that are doing it that way, it, look, it seems to be working for them. Maybe they got it right. David says, don't believe the lie. Don't, don't walk that way. Don't walk that path. It may look like it right now. It may even look like it in your lifetime. But the way is going to fade like the grass. It cannot survive and it will not survive. But instead, he says... Instead of fretting, he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Keep doing good. Trust him. Trust him. Keep doing the good. Keep doing the good. Live in a land, he says. Live in the city. Live in the community. Care for it. Keep doing it. He's like, but it doesn't seem to make any difference, and the evildoer seems to do so much better. Others seem to be so much doer. seems to be doing so much better. He says, keep, keep doing it. Doing good, especially when it feels so against what could be the quicker success, is the way to express trust in the Lord. The psalm goes on, he says in verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight in him. He will give you the desires of your heart. What does that mean? If I start enjoying God, am I going to get what I want? That's actually what he just said. Uh, oh, okay. So if I can, uh, my stocks are going to increase or um, I'm going to have success at work, right? I'm going to, like the, the, the church or your community or whatever it is you're doing, it's going to just grow if I can get myself to enjoy God. He's going to give me what I want. Is that what he's saying? Well, he may give you those things. That might happen. That's not what David's saying. What is he saying then? If he and what he says consumes you, if he and what he says it excites us, we start wanting what he wants, and he's going to bring those things to pass. The desires of his heart will come to pass. If his desires become our desires, it will come to pass. I think even more importantly, though, if what you want most 
if what you most desire is Him, regardless of what you're asking for specifically, the particular circumstances, if what you want most is Him, He will give you the desire of your heart because He will give you Himself. He promises that this is what He'll do. How do you do this? How do we, how do we, how do we consider what this even, even looks like in our, in our lives? Therefore, he says, verse 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He's going to act. He's going to bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. So the, the word here for commit means to, to roll. So it's used oftentimes like a big stone needs to be rolled over a cave. Commit is roll. All right, what, what, do we, what do we do with that? What does that mean? Committing your way to the Lord is rolling your way into His way. Committing your way to the Lord is giving your way to Him. You do this by trusting in Him to see and to act. We, we trust Him to actually see what's really going on and for Him to act. This way is the opposite of how we so often live life. So often how I can live life, trying to make sure that everybody knows that I'm actually in the right I want to make sure you know that I've done the right thing. I want to make sure that I get justice for myself. That is my, my way. Not that that's a bad thing. It's not bad to, for people to know if you've done the right thing. It's not bad even for people, for, for you to experience justice. But rolling your way to God is trusting Him to act, for Him to care for the outcome. We don't have to force the outcome this is so difficult, is it not? Who in here is a control freak? I have desired outcomes. This is so, so difficult, and it's the most freeing thing that God could offer us because you don't have to control your outcome. We can trust, we can delight, we can roll our way into Him. Then verse 7, be still. We can also be still before Him or be quiet before the Lord, and we can wait patiently for Him. He uses this word fret again. He uses it three times. It, it may, it, it, can, it can be this still. It, you can be still with Him, He's saying. You, you can wait for Him. You don't have to get anxious and angry when the world and those who maybe do you wrong prosper. We don't have to. Being quiet can be the hardest words you never speak. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to keep your mouth shut. That can be the hardest thing. Quietness can be the loudest, most powerful thing you can also ever do. Just be quiet. But being still and, and waiting out of trusting God gives room for God to act for you. It leaves room for God to act on behalf of others. And then the section ends in verse 8 with refrain from anger, forsake wrath, fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. To refrain and forsake is to let go and to leave anger. Why, are, this is a common theme in this psalm. Why does he keep saying this? Why does he keep saying basically the same thing? Because this is the, again, he uses this word fret again. Apparently, he needed to be reminded of this. He needed to remind the people around him. And I think maybe we need to be reminded of this. I need the reminder. It makes sense, right? When things don't go the way you think they should or the way that they actually should, 
it, it can provoke anger, especially when evil is being done. It can provoke anger. So why let it go? Why leave it? Here's some three, three things that he says. Acting out of anger leads to more trouble. I mean, how many times have you raged and that actually was a good thing for your spouse, for your friends, for your coworkers? Has that ever worked out well for you? Anyone? I mean, maybe it has. Please do tell me. It doesn't tend to actually work. It tends to bring more trouble. Number two, not only is it like harmful to cling to your anger, you don't have to. If this psalm is true, and it is, Verse 9 says, the evildoers, they shall be cut off. God will eventually cut off the things of this world that corrupt, that oppose goodness, that oppose healthy community, that oppose rightness, that oppose love. He will eventually cut those things off. And then thirdly, those who wait for the Lord, he says, shall inherit the land. The rest of the psalm, go, if you have time this week to read it, just read through it. The rest of the psalm unpacks that idea more. God's going to bring ultimate good to those who find him as good. I think Jesus deeply meditated on this psalm when he did the Sermon on the Mount, when he says things like, the meek are blessed. Why? And what's going to happen? They shall inherit the earth. Where's that coming? It's coming from this psalm. We can release our anger because God has guaranteed a better future for us than our anger can produce. He can actually produce a better future than my anger can produce. All right, so how do we, how do we, how do, we do this? How do we walk this way? Because it's one thing to hear, okay, these are good. I think if we're all honest, we can say, yeah, these are good things. I want these to be a part of my life. I don't, I don't want to fret. I, don't want to, I want to trust, I want to delight, I want to commit, I want to be still, I want to refrain from anger. But uh, we need more. I need more than to be, told, be, to be told how to walk with God. We need a new heart. We need a new power. We need Him to convince us that He really is good and His way really is the best. Don't we? I mean, why don't I live this way? Because there's parts of me that don't believe it. What do I need? I need for the Spirit to convince me this is true and to give me the strength to live in a way that walks with the Lord. Jesus came. Okay, this all has to climax. It always climaxes in Him. It always hits the... It always comes to the point in Him. He didn't just come to model the way. Like, He did that. He did model the way of life, but He also came to be the life, this life for us. He did this in the face of evil, in the face of human resistance. He entered into this. He faced it while never wavering to walk with His Father. Think about it. The evil kept coming at Him, and what did He kept, do, kept doing? He kept walking with His Father. Jesus let go of his legitimate anger and his ability to call down wrath. He let go of the anger. Did Jesus have a reason to be angry? Mm-hmm. Was he ever angry? Mm-hmm. He let it go. He didn't call down wrath. He let go of showing off his justice and his righteousness. How many times did Jesus say, hey guys, look at how great I am? He alone could say that. When does he ever say that? Yeah. He laid himself before the unmercy of his haters to suffer their rejection, to suffer injustice, to suffer ultimately their execution. Like a lamb led to a slaughter, what did he do? Didn't even open his mouth. 
Although God allowed his son to suffer wrath at, the, our, at our hands, he did allow that. He did not abandon him, the righteous one, to decay. David talks about this in an earlier psalm. This is in Psalm 16 where he says, For you, you're not, this is who you are, God. You won't abandon my soul to, to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. That's the nature of God. The, the righteous one, like he suffered, the righteous one being Jesus, he suffered all of this. And yet what happens? In Jesus' resurrection, the righteous one was vindicated. He's vindicated. And God began a new world that he promised. In Jesus, it's actually real. This is true. I know it doesn't look real, but I promise you it is true. How do I know that? Because the resurrection of the righteous one. Where, where goodness and righteousness doesn't overcome, isn't overcome by that which opposes it. It overcomes the enemy. And he did this by taking the sin, by taking the evil, by taking the death into himself with silence. He didn't go to the cross shouting injustice. He didn't he didn't tweet and post on Facebook his anger to the world. He did it with silence. Why walk with God? It's a fair question. Why walk with God? Why fret not and trust and delight and commit and be still and refrain? Because in Jesus, regardless of the uncertainties that you and I face, the successes, the failures, the, the harm that we've done, the harm that's been done to us, the wrong that comes our way, he shares his victory over wrongs and evil, even death, giving us a new way to be human today. He wants to give us a new way to do life and to be human today and to guarantee a new beginning, a renewed earth, for us to inherit tomorrow. We can walk with God today. Whatever comes out of whatever this is, you can walk with God today. Why? Why? Because He guarantees all is going to be made right. He guaranteed it through the resurrection, and He guarantees it for our future. So, Father, we want to hear these words. We need to hear these words so that we can actually know how best to walk with you. Because it is not in our, we're not capable of doing it unless you do a work in us. And Lord Jesus, thank you that you have done that work and you invite us into this new life and a new promised reality that will come to pass. Pray this in your name. Amen.